Listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Acceleration Church in Bell Chase, um, New Orleans, and we're just so excited, and, and I am honored tonight to introduce to you my friend, Pastor Terry, and his beautiful wife, Miss Sharon, who is here. Come and give it up for her, too, there in the hand. And I just want you to just be blessed tonight as Pastor Terry comes and continues our series on parables and just ministers to us and speaks to our heart. Come on, give it up for Pastor Terry as he comes. Good evening, everyone. How are you this evening? Good. It is such an honor and a blessing to be here uh, with you this evening. I think perhaps we might need to take a minute and readjust our ears. I'm having, I've really had to work hard to uh, follow along with Pastor Philip and his friend, Mr. Pete. Uh, the English accent, uh, uh, needless to say, wasn't anywhere near where I grew up in southwest Arkansas. I grew up talking like this, y'all. But I am thrilled to be here this evening uh, and to be with you. Uh, This friendship, uh, I'm more the age of uh, uh, Mr. Allen, his dad, but we've uh, formed such a good friendship, and it's been beneficial to both of us. And again, we're thrilled to be here. And you're blessed beyond measure to have a man like Philip Pimlott pastoring your church and his wife Kelly along by his side. Amen. Come on, you need to give it up for him better than that. Amen. I was told that you've been talking about the parables of Jesus, so I want to bring one to you tonight. Would you turn with me in your Bibles, or if you have the handout sheet which they gave you tonight, the scripture's right there. We've made it very, very easy for you to follow along tonight. Um, these are, what, these are what we call sermon notes at acceleration. Uh, we, you will have some blanks to fill in as we go along, and you can take that home with you, reflect on it. And after you hear what I've got to say tonight, you'll find that taking it and reflecting on it later may be just exactly what you need to do. But let's turn to, well, let me ask first. Could we just take one moment? I'm in a, a new house. I'm in a, a new position here. I haven't preached out in about a year, so I want to ask the Lord's anointing. Amen? Amen. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity, and I pray tonight that your anointing would descend in this house, Lord God. You're already here. You've shown yourself to us, Lord. And Lord, I just pray tonight that you would anoint this word, anoint the ears of the hearers to receive what the Lord would say. Anoint my voice, Lord God. Anoint my spirit and anoint my mouth, Lord, to speak what you would have me say to this people in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Reading from Mark, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 2. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Jesus was teaching, it says, And he was teaching them many things in parables, and was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up, look at this, because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked it and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil And as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I want to talk to you a while tonight about the master's garden. 
the master's garden. Now, I grew up, as I said, in southwest Arkansas. Let me give you a little background. I grew up on a farm, a pretty tough farm in southwest Arkansas near Texarkana, Arkansas. As we were growing up, we raised cotton first when I was very young. That became unprofitable and way too labor-intensive when we moved to growing soybeans. And from the time that I was six years old, I was on a tractor working in the field. Uh, and by the time I was in my teens, I was one of the primary farm hands on this farm that my family owned and ran. Well, we always raised a garden. And because we always raised our own food, in the, we would, in the summertime when we were planting our soybeans, we always had a plot that we prepared, and we would plant in there with our farm equipment, peas and corn and other things to eat. Well, in every field that we planted things, and even in the soybean fields, we had roads. They were dirt, hard dirt, scrabble roads that we drove through to get to the field. And in every field, of course, is bounded by what you call the turn row. As you go down the row, when you get to the end of the row with the equipment, you have to turn around and start back the other way, planting or preparing the soil going the other direction. And where you turn was called a turn row. And then the fields would be bounded on one side or the other. Generally, if we had cattle and, and pasture, so on one side they might be bounded by a fence. And fences, of course, naturally have thorns and thistles and things that grow up on them as, because you can't mow it. Yeah. And so we learned as we prepared our fields that there were areas in the field, the turn rows were hard. Yeah. Yeah. And as you would come out with the planter and turn, as you got to that hard dirt, the seed would just simply sometimes fall out on the ground. And you would turn around and start back the other way. The seed would fall on the ground again. And you might be going through the field and you would come to a place where water tended to stand in wet times. And so that soil was always hard. And the seed would be planted there, but they didn't have a lot of nourishment. And you always knew that that section of the field was not going to grow big, healthy plants, but wasn't going to produce very well at all. And so as we prepared our fields, we knew these things as farmers. And so the turn row areas, we always tried to keep as narrow as possible. And we would try to till them up, prepare them to receive seed in a better fashion by plowing and disking and preparing the turn rows. But we always had these issues as we prepared to raise our crops. Well, I grew up in church, y'all. Now, I got away, but I grew up in church. But in all of the years that I was in church, I never equated my experience as a farm boy to what Jesus is talking about in this parable. I never did until I became a preacher. And then I needed to. So Jesus, have you ever thought about how many of Jesus' parables and his, the stories that he told have to do with agriculture, either farming or cattle or, or, or uh, shepherding? So much of the, what he talks about relates to these things. Yeah. And this story does especially. Do we have any gardeners in here, farmers in here today? Know what I'm talking about? A few. I see some, I see some hands going up. Well, that's good. Do you enjoy raising your garden? That's great. That's great. Well, let's talk about this. I didn't equate this, as I said, to my experience. But then I got to reading this, and one day the Lord quickened to me the story of this, or, or the understanding of this parable, and what, how I needed to address it. Because I had always read the parable as though the soil was what it was going to be and could not be changed. Come on. Come on. Think about so if you were stony ground, you were lost. If you had thorny ground or thorns in your ground, there was no hope. Or if you were by the wayside, so to speak, there was nothing that you could do about it. But the Lord quickened to me one day, hey, you were a farmer. When the soil wasn't what you needed to plant and get a crop, you did what it took to make the soil pliable, to make it aerable where it could receive the seed and raise the crop. Because after all, if you don't raise a crop, you're not going to make any money. And you won't survive. 
So the Lord quickened this to me one day. And so I want to talk to you again, as I said tonight, about the master's garden. Now, you need to realize, if you didn't understand the things that I talked about as a farmer before I talked about them, think about the disciples when Jesus told this story. Yeah, come on. If you're familiar with your word, can I tell you, can I let you in on a little secret? There was not one farmer or one shepherd among the 12 disciples. Not one. I can see Peter the fisherman saying, what are you talking about with, with stony soil? What are you talking I never plowed a garden in my life. I just go out and catch it out of the sea and eat it. Come on. Or, 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 or the tax collector, Matthew. Pastor. Pastor. I live in a city. Come on. I take what others make yeah. to make my living. Come on. So what are you doing with this soil stuff? And that's what they all said. You know what they did? They said, Master, why do you talk like this? We don't understand what you're saying. We don't get it. We don't understand it. And Jesus came back and said, Look, you're special to me. You're special to me. I've chosen you specially, so I'm going to let you in on the secret of the parable. Wow, that's good. That's good. So tonight, all of you are special to me. Yeah. Uh huh. So I'm going to let you in on the secret of the parable. Okay. Let's turn down or skip down to the 14th verse. We'll read through the Lord's explanation, and then I'm going to go through it with you. Beginning at verse 14, Jesus explains the parable. He said, "The sower sows the word." These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. Who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. You ever know anybody like that that yeah. sits in here on the message? Yeah, preach it, Pastor. Yeah, preach it, Pastor. Yeah, come on, Pastor, preach it. <laughs> and they go out there. Come on. And go right back to being who they were. Yeah. yeah. That's what he's talking about. They receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of what? The word. The very word that they heard and were sitting in there raving about. When the persecution comes because of that word, what happens? They fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and... Choke. Choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones whom seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Everyone say amen. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you again a little bit tonight about the master's garden. Let's start at the first. And in your beginning with your sheep, the garden and the gardener, the garden and the gardener. Now, the Lord speaks of the sower and the seed. He speaks of the soil, but you can call the sower the gardener. That's what he's talking about. You can call the soil the garden because that's what he's talking about. That's all he's talking about here. So who is the sower? Well, in your house, Pastor Philip is the gardener or the sower. Now, let me tell you something. In fact, look at Mark 4, 14. The sower sows the word. So Pastor Philip and those that he designates are responsible for sowing the word in this church. Let me ask you, or let me let you think about it this way, though. You think, well, you know, Pastor P, 
He's got it easy. All he's got to do is come here on Sunday and teach a couple of times. I don't know how many services, two. Two on Sunday. And then on Wednesday night, it's just regurgitation. You know, he's just reading these parables and just off the hip. He's just, you know, he's so good, he's just flanging it out there. It ain't no big deal. Yeah, well, if he's just sowing, you know, if he's just la-di-da-sh. Throwing the seed out there. But think of it like a gardener. Yeah. He's the gardener. Yeah. He's responsible for tending the garden. Yeah. You're the gardener. I, I, I got ahead. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you're the gardener. Yeah. Yeah. And here's what I was thinking about when I was on the way up here. Of course, I'm a pastor, so I'm sympathizing with myself, you know. <laughs> the Lord called us to pastor certain gardens. He called us to be gardeners of a group of people that he then gives to us. Do you understand we don't get to choose the soil? Do you, you understand that we don't get to choose whether your soil is rocky or thorny or by the wayside or good soil? We don't get to choose, but we are charged with tending the garden. And our primary charge is to do our best, whatever soil you come with, to make it arable to the point that the word can be received and produce fruit in your life. So I want to say this to you. Don't ever sell your pastor short because he was called to garden or to prepare and watch over a garden that he didn't choose. You ever think about that? So you need to give honor to your gardener, to your pastor. You need to, you need to speak well of him. And you need to be a pliant, compliant gardener with him. Amen? Amen. Here's the second thing. Look at somebody and say, this is your second blank. Look at somebody and say, the garden is me. That's a simple one, isn't it? Now, I can show you very quickly, look at, and I've got them in here, but if you're looking in your Bible, Mark 4, 15, these are the ones, Mark 4, 16, in a similar way, these are the ones, Mark 4, 18, and others are the ones in Mark 4, 20, and those are the ones, or so you are the these's and the those, you are the these's and the those, which are the ones that he's talking about, which forms the garden that the gardener must take care of. You are the garden that God has given this man to sow God's seed into. See, you can never forget that it's God's seed, it's God's garden that we're tending. It's not our garden. Heartsees is not Pastor Phillips' garden. It's God's garden. And he is charged to watch over God's garden with all due diligence. And while he does his best, Maybe not all of you are going to bring forth a good harvest. That may be up to you. And this is what Jesus was talking about in this passage. Let's move forward. Look at beside the road. What happens to the seed that falls beside the road? Satan comes and gets it. Why? Because it's exposed. It's not covered up with the soil. It doesn't get taken in, but it's just lying out there. For Satan to come and take away. Can I tell you something? What does it mean for the seed to fall beside the road? Well, it means that in some way that word is not being taken in. Your first blank. You don't listen. How's the word to be received? You hear it. But if you don't listen, if you don't listen, you're not going to receive the word. And can I tell you something tonight? You say, but I'm listening. I'm sitting here. My eyes are open. My ears are open. I'm listening. How many times during the message did you look at your phone? How many times in the message did you look around to see what else was going on? 
How many times as the word was being sown, did you allow yourself to be distracted? Or, or maybe, can I even approach it this way? What preparation did you do before you came to church? Did you prepare your heart? Did you prepare your ears? Did you prepare your spirit to receive what God would say to you? So many people today walk into the church house and they've never, they've done no preparation to receive anything. And what they do is they come here and they sit on a chair and they say, okay, Mr. Gardner, come plow me. Blow that horn over there, Brother Steve. There you go. All right, I'm rolling now. No, you don't listen. It falls by the wayside because you don't listen. I'm not picking on you. I want to touch. I want to touch those of you who sit here and look at the gardener. But you, as you look at him and he speaks the word of God to you, your mind is just going off on another track. You begin to daydream. You begin to think of what you're going to do when you leave here. You you begin to think of what you're going to eat when you get out. You begin to think of what show is waiting on at home on your DVR when you get home. So you don't listen. So the word that is prepared so carefully by the gardener to be sown into you as the garden falls by the wayside and Satan takes it away. Here's another one. You don't read. Can I tell you something? Every, I've asked you that many times tonight. I got a lot of things to tell you. Every, every time Pastor Philip or whoever he asks, and I invite you to go home tonight and do this. You go home and you take this word, those notes, this Bible, Go mark the fourth chapter and you reread every word of the scripture that I've read to you tonight. And you take these notes and you look, you sit down and you take the blanks you filled in and the word that I brought to you and you read it and you let it soak into your spirit and into your soul so that it'll change you. This word, this word of God, I got to tell y'all something, folks. 1989, I'm not going to go there. It's a long story. God called me in an unbelievably powerful way. Not because I'm anything special, but just because he loved me enough to get me out of the mess I was in. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And this word has changed me. I brought my wife as a testimony for that, but I'm not going to let her get up here. <laughs> when I came to God, I was an angry, mean-spirited, aggressive man and an alcoholic. And this word of God changed me. Come on, it's good. It changed me deeply. I still slip up. I still let the meanness come out. I still accept phone calls from the uh, solicitors when I know it's a soliciting call just so I can mess with them. <laughs> I get great satisfaction out of it, but God's working on me. I'm trying to quit that. Anyway, you got to read the word. You gotta let it soak in. Here's another one. You don't contemplate. That's what I'm talking about, too. The word doesn't stay with you because you don't contemplate. You got a great team, bro. I didn't realize they've gone through my notes and are putting the words up there. That's awesome. You've got to stop and think about what's been sown in you. You need to spend time contemplating it. It would be a great thing if you would just work on being able to tell Pastor Philip next Sunday what he preached last Sunday. There you go. Hello. Right there. Good. And here's the last one about on the outside wearing it or by the wayside. We wear the word what's been sown on the outside but not on the inside. We wear it on the outside. In other words... You get in the elevator, we talk a good game. We can speak it all day long. 
We can talk all the things of the word and the goodness of God. And we got it on the outside. Come on, preach. But it ain't doing nothing on the inside. Yeah. We're not changing. We're not changing. We stay in the same person. You ever hear anybody that claims to be a Christian say to you, that's just how I am? Yeah. <laughs> They're wearing it on the outside, yeah. but not on the inside. They talk a good game, but they don't live it. Let's move on to the next kind of soil, the rocky soil. The word says they have no root in themselves. Look at Mark 4, 16 to 17. It says, in a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. What does it mean to have no root in themselves? No foundation. That's good, Brother Steve. We may just open this, this topic to discussion here. Can I tell you one of the best, one of the, the clearest examples to me of no root in yourself is you let this man do all telling you all the word you know. I'm not putting him down. You understand what I'm saying? You're not reading. You're not studying. You're not getting anything for yourself. There's no root in yourself. All you get is what someone else is telling you. You got no root in yourself. It's just kind of being painted on your outside, if you will, but you're not taking anything in by yourself on your own to develop that word. I, I, you will never develop the understanding and the depth of root that, that the Lord is talking about here until you begin to read and study the word of God. And here's the other thing. If you don't read and study the word on your own and begin to get it inside of you, you won't be able to interpret the things that are happening in your life in the light of the word of God. Come on, it's good. You need to come to the place where you can see the things that happen in your life. You don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. You've got no root in yourself because you've done no study to see that the Lord works through trials and trouble in our life. You haven't got any root in yourself. So maybe you've never come to the understanding that, you, that all the Lord wants for you is what is best. Again, you will never learn that except by studying the Word of God. Amen. You come to church how, twice a week, if you, and if you come to all of your services, three times a week, huh? That's, and, and I've got 30 minutes tonight, and, and Kelly said, get through quick, I'm in the nursery. <laughs> the point I'm making is you might, if you come to all three services, maybe you get two hours of the Word. Times 52, you get 104 hours of the word a year. And that's it. And I didn't calculate how many hours there are in a year. But it's way more than 104. So the point I'm making is if you rely on someone else to give you all of the word that you, you're getting, you got stony ground. And it will never take root because you have no root in yourselves. You've got to dig out the stones. That's up to you. You've got to begin to dig out those stones that block the word from taking root and sinking down inside of you. You know, we have friends in Tennessee. We used to go up, we go and visit them up in Nashville, around Nashville, Tennessee. And I was driving down a back road beside a creek one day, and I noticed, and you've seen them if you've done history or on some of those show, history shows, you've seen the old rock fences. Yeah. Fences built out of stones that keep out the predators and the animals out of the fields. You know where those stones came from? They dug them out of the fields so they could plant seed and grow a crop in the field. So they took the stony parts of the field to make 
or protection. You can do the same thing. You can do the same thing in your life. Maybe, maybe you've got a hard heart. That's the first one, hardness of heart. That's another blank there. That's a stony thing. That's a, that's a stony ground, hardness of heart. Your heart is hard. You don't want anybody to change you or, or teach you anything. But did you know that you can dig that stone out, that hardness of heart? But that same hardness of heart can become firmness of character. Yeah. Right. I might have been an angry, mean man. I might have been an aggressive man. But the Lord knew that that aggression could be taken to work diligently for his kingdom. Come on, that's good. That's good. So he took a stone that was in me. And turned it into something good. That's good. I like it. See, and you can do the same thing. Here's the second one. If it's hardness of heart, it's the first one. The second one is hardness of your head. That may go back to the one I talked about a moment before. Well, this is how I am. Ain't, ain't nobody going to change me. That's hardness of head. And the word of God comes and he goes... It just bounces off. I tell people all the time, I got no hair on my head for running into God's fences. He puts up walls and I run into them. Until finally, I decide I got to get it better. Hardness of head, again, that's, that can be turned to firmness of character. Firmness of intention. That, that you, you don't give up. That hard head that keeps you from receiving the word. If you dig that out of your soil and let the word take root and begin to take that hardness and make it into something good for God, you can become a person that just doesn't give up. Come on, good. That you can good. think and realize and figure out solutions for problems in God's kingdom. Here's another one for you. Hardness of hearing. Yes, these are hearing aids I got on each ear. Hardness of hearing. What does that mean? Well, bless God. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Ain't no preacher going to tell me what to do. I'm going to come here and sit on this chair. And I'm going to just keep on being like I want to be. I don't have to listen to nobody. Sound like a child, don't I? I don't have to listen to you. You know, I got people in my church. I won't talk about his church. I'll talk about my church. We talk about Well, I'm sure I'm going to hit some in your church, but I can talk about mine. When I want to teach my people something that I, or our people something that I know that they really don't want me to tell them, I'll tell them why I do it. So I don't I have to tell them how to do it. I tell them I do it for these reasons. So I'm going to talk about our church, okay? Uh, hardness of hearing. You know, we have people in our church that are going through some of the biggest mess in their life. They make decisions. They make decisions in their life without ever consulting their spiritual leadership that's put in their life. Remember, I told you he's the gardener. He's the gardener that God chose to maintain and take care of the garden, the ones that they have been put under his care. Now, I'm not saying driving crazy with asking, well, can I go to the bathroom now? Or even what car I ought to buy? But there are things that you do in your life that you know you need the word of God and you need Amen. godly counsel. In fact, the word teaches that we need godly counsel. Yeah. So you need to get that. Well, let's just put it bluntly. You need to get the rocks out of years so the word can go in. Yeah. And so your life can be changed and you can be protected. Let's go on. The thorny soil, Mark 4, 18, 19. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Look at someone and say, I don't want to be unfruitful. I don't want to be unfruitful. Now, Jesus 
This one must have really meant something special to him because he went into a deeper explanation on this one. He talked about it. He didn't say it was just thorny ground. He explained what the thorns were. Deceitfulness of riches, worries of the world, and lust of other things entering in. You see, we've got to clear that area of the garden where the thorns and the thistles grow up and choke out what happens or what is growing there. Any of you know what kudzu is? That's an evil plant, isn't it? You know what morning glory is? Same thing. You know we have a street sign on the highway right in front of our church that is completely overgrown with morning glory? Those things will cover anything. That's what the Lord's talking about here. And you know when a morning glory grows or a kudzu grows up over another plant, it will kill it? Yes. Because it shades it out and starves it. And the underlying plant that is supporting it will die. That's what the Lord is talking about here. This is the soil. He calls it thorns. But it's the same principle. You see, when we have these other things in our life, the deceitfulness of riches or the worries of the world, when, when those things, when we receive them, we come on Sunday, we, we, we receive the word, it goes into us. And it begins to even germinate and begins to produce something. And then we go back home and the deceitfulness of riches, you know what that means, don't you? The deceitfulness of riches means that the idea that I'll be happy and I'll be comfortable when I get some money yeah. is just a lie. Can I say that again? The seedfulness of riches is the idea that I'll be happy and comfortable if I can just get enough money. Yeah. I've been there. I didn't say this. I'm not saying it to brag. My career before I became a pastor, I'm a lawyer. I've had money. I was not nearly as happy with all the money I had and the stuff I had as I am today as a pastor making an end <laughs> of what I made as a lawyer. I am so much more happy and content and satisfied today. And I don't mean that, my, that the things in my I still got bills to pay. I still got things I got to take care of. But I don't let the worry of the world consume me. I, I, I just quit chasing riches because I learned. You know, all they do is give me heartache, That's right. headache. In fact, I didn't think about that. You understand that the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches can cause you to have the stony ground that we just talked about? That just occurred to me. So here's how we deal with these things. If we're going to get rid of the thorns and the thistles, we need to deal with the worries of the world. We just talked about this last night in a Bible study in our church. The best way to deal, I'm going to ask this as a question. I just want you to call out your answer. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> They've already given you the answer to the test. The best way to deal. And y'all are doing great. Don't worry about it. The best way. To deal with the worries of the world is surrender to God. Just surrender, folks. Pastor P and we were we were talking in the office before we came in here, and he said, uh, "Scripture, one of his favorite scriptures recently has been, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord." And and Sharon and I were talking on the way up here. That very scripture we were talking about on the way up here. We've got to learn that God's going to come through for us. We've got to learn that if we can surrender to him. First Peter 5, 7, you don't have this scripture. But Peter tells us, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We've got to clear out the cares of the world by surrendering to God. Here's the other one, deceitfulness of riches. I talked about that. That's the idea that, man, if I can just get enough money, if I can just give me some green, it'll all be good. Had a young man one day, one time we had gotten him in church. He was coming to church. Uh, we had almost won him. 
and I came to church one day, looked for him. He wasn't there. I wasn't pastoring at that time, just a member of a church. Uh, and when I came out of church, after church, I found a note on my windshield that says, Terry, thank you for what you've done for me. Uh, I know I need to be here, but I'm going to build my kingdom first. Oh. And he did. He became a, a multimillionaire, owned I don't know how many pieces of property, real estate in New Orleans, and then lost every bit of it to cocaine and the things of the world. So the deceitfulness of riches will eat you up. Well, if if it's deceitfulness that will keep you from receiving the word, what is the opposite of deceitfulness? Now show us the answer. Now show us the answer. I'm picking on y'all back there. I know I am. I hope you still love me. I got a thumbs up. All right. The truth. The truth of the word of God. We've got to come to understand that God said, what did God tell us? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added to you. The truth of the word, the truth of God is, if we will rely on him, if we will seek him first, if we will give ourselves to him, he is faithful and true and his promises will be fulfilled and he will pour back into us not only the wealth of man, but joy. Happiness, satisfaction, yeah. all of the things that we so long for in our life. Come on, it's good. It's good. Matthew 6.33, I just quoted it. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Here's another one. Desires of other things. Boy, that could run the gamut, couldn't it? But that's just what it is. How many people do you know? How many people do you know? You're here on Wednesday night. I know you're the faithful few. Wednesday night proves who is serious about the word of God. Always does in every church. But how many do you know that ought to be here? But they're not because they got a ball game to watch. Or a TV show to watch. Or something else to do. It's not more important. It's just something else to do. Wouldn't it be a shame if we stand before God when our time here is done and he says, well, how did you do in life? And we say, well, I had something else to do. Did you read my work? I had something else to do. Did you support my church? I had something else to do. Did you do the work I called you to do? No, I had something else to do. You see these desires of other things. How do we deal with that? Well, if it's other things that will take us astray, then we need to get our priorities straight. We need to deal with our priorities And that goes back to Matthew 6, 33. Seek first. That's a priority. And let me deal with the last thing. Mark 4, 20. And those are the good ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Well, first of all, they accept. Look at that word. They hear the word and accept it. Everyone look at someone and say, they accept it. That word in the Greek means to receive with assent, meaning I agree with it. And secondly, obedience. <laughs> See, the good soil are those who receive the word and say, wow, I agree with that. And yes, I'm going to live by what it teaches me. Simple, isn't it? I agree and I will obey. Isn't that the essence of our life for God? I agree and I will obey. 
Read your Old Testament. If you will, agree and obey. I'm saying, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. But so much, if you will agree and obey, then I will bless you. I will heal you. I will prosper you. I will watch over you. I will be a high tower for you. I will be a strong fortress for you. If you will only agree and obey. Let me tell you a story about the good soil and then I'm going to be finishing Here's the neat thing about the good soil and what grows in it. And we always knew this in our soybean fields. We were constantly fighting morning glories and every other kind of weed. And we had places in the field where the weeds would grow up to the point that they would choke out the soybeans. But we knew that if we could keep the weeds down, if we could keep the weeds down and get the soybeans to grow to the point where they spread out their leaves and their limbs. And the limbs and the soybeans in this row spread enough this way that their leaves and their limbs would interlock with the soybeans in the next row and shade out the soil below. No weeds, no thorns, and no thistles could grow through. You see, those who are good ground, those are good ground need to spread out your limbs. You need to spread out your leaves and you need to join with the others in the chairs and the seats around you and you need to begin to allow the good that is in you to shade out the bad that would rise up. And you see when you as a good plant leak arms with that, that one that maybe is sown in the rocky soil thorny soil but you begin to pull them out you begin to draw them out you can help them become soil that the gardener can do something with the master gardener the master gardener you know we see this further application in the church. New believers come in. New believers come in. I know you have them coming here at Heart's Ease. They're planted in good soil. They're planted in, I know this soil in this church is good soil. I've known your pastor long enough to know that he's a master gardener and a good master gardener. And that he maintains a bountiful and fruitful garden. But you're going to have new believers come in. They're going to be planted in the soil here that is heart's ease. But you've got to understand they're coming from the thorns yeah. and the thistles. Wow. Yeah. They're coming with rocky ground yeah. in them. Yeah. Yeah. They're coming with the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches planted in them because if they haven't been in church, that's all they know. But you... As the good ground, as the plants sown in the good ground, can help them to begin to get rid of the thorns, the thistles, the stones, and rocky places in their lives so that they can become good soil before they're lost and the word is choked out in them. Amen. Amen. So I don't know what you do to close, but I'd like to talk to you here a little bit tonight. And I am closing. I would say that in what I've taught tonight, every one of you in here at some point, I touched something in because I don't stand here as someone who's been a that who's all good. I I deal with I've dealt with people in my church who come to me and say, Pastor, how you how can you allow that person on your platform? And I'm not getting on anybody's doctrine here. I'm talking about me, okay? And I say, I'm not sure how I can judge them. I'm a sinner too. I've messed up too. 
And the point I'm making to you is this. The point I'm making to you is we all have things in our life. We all have the thorny ground. We all have the stony ground from time to time. And there's always been a, there's been a time, I'm sure, in every one of his life. When the word was brought with such power and such anointing and you sat there and you were moved you were moved by the word and spirit of god and you said as you sat there i'm gonna do better i'm gonna read my word i'm gonna work to receive the word because i want to be changed there's some of you that have sat there in that chair and received the word, a moving word of God and said, God, I want to do more for you. I want to serve. I know I've got talent. I know there's something that I can do for you. And you left here. And you let what's going on in your life sidetrack you. And in being sidetracked, you perhaps lost the greatest blessing that you could ever receive. But here's the awesome thing about the God I know. This is what he's demonstrated to me. I may mess up. I may miss the opportunity. But if I know my God, and if I come back to him come and I on. say, God, I need another chance. He's going to extend that hand. He's going to take me. And he's going to say, come on, son. I got something for you to do for me. So if we'd all stand tonight. this is okay, Pastor Philip. I want to give you the opportunity tonight. If you've missed that opportunity and you know it, I want to give you the opportunity to come to this altar. I want you to come right up here, pull out that thorn, that thistle, there's that stone in your life stone in you that's prevented you. I want you to take the opportunity to come up here just demonstrating. But if we can be saved by confessing the Lord is our master, then there's things that can happen in our life by demonstrating to God our commitment and our belief. Amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.